Welcome to Scalable and Saleable, where we find out what great entrepreneurs have done to scale their businesses to millions. Stay right here for the next few minutes to leverage validated methodologies for growth and create a way more scalable and a more sellable business for yourself. Let's get started. Thank you so much for being here. Would you mind telling our audience a little bit more about who you are and, and what your unique business is? Sure. Uh, my name is Paul Powers. I'm the co-founder and CEO of FISMA, uh, which is short for Physical DNA. We have a unique technology that allows us to see how 3D models are related. So basically allows us to turn what's three-dimensional or, or physical into code. And we'll just find parts within parts, use uh, these relationships from machine learning. And one of the uh, tools that we have, and the biggest by far, is actually Thangs, uh, which is like Thangs with an A. And if you go to fangs.com, it's uh, essentially think of it like a Google meets a GitHub. So, uh, but for 3D specifically. So you, it's the world's largest 3D search engine, um, the world's fastest growing 3D community. Um, we reached uh, the first million registered users faster, I think like twice as fast as the previous record holder in 3D. So it's great. It grew really quickly and it's only ex uh, accelerating right now. And uh, essentially that works by a lot of people to, find 3D models with anything from a description to a picture to another 3D model and see what's inside of it. And then there's also collaboration capabilities on this side as well. So it's just like what you'd experience with GitHub, but for 3D design. That's awesome. And um, I, I owned a medical legal trial presentation company in a, in a past life and, uh, and we used all kinds of 3D anatomy. And so I was, I was kind of geeking out on your on your site uh, before this interview um uh, uh, so, are on, uh, uh, uh yeah on things i was off scrolling through i was awesome. like I, all right at some point i was like you got to stop scrolling <laughs> get back to work but um but it's really cool so definitely check that out um what do you attribute that growth to to get to a million users quickly and and everything else that you've scaled what do you attribute your growth to paying attention to the users has been a really, really important thing. Um, you know, instead of assuming that we knew everything and that we, you know, the product plan is just one idea that is uh, static and unchangeable. We, we've really, since the very beginning days of things, have really listened very closely to what the user community said, the capabilities they were looking for, you know, what they, what they were looking for in a capability like things, you know, what mattered to them most, um, especially to the creators who are uploading the models, you know, like, uh, one of the things that uh, was really important to them was us adding all these uh, analytics. So the ability to see, you know, how many followers you're getting, when and where, and, um, what, how many models are being downloaded, how many views are you getting and over and charted over time. And so that's the capability that just wasn't really there in other similar sites and listening to them. And then also just getting um, influencers involved and, and just uh, honestly, and not even necessarily the influencers, just the community in general that brings in the influencers. And uh, after a while, you start to get recommended by people. You don't have to do as much marketing as you might think if you've got a true product market fit. Yeah, man. Um, if if you don't mind me asking, how do you listen to your users? People, you know, uh, there's, you know, the 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 general survey tools is that is there nothing more fancy to it? is there any secret sauce to getting that feedback because sometimes people will ask users customers for feedback but not really get much uh, of a response well it's important to have you know have a, a 
a method through which they can reach out to you. So we have a pretty prominent feedback button on Thanks. It kind of follows you throughout the site. And if you if you go to Thanks.com and uh, you'll you'll see a little button on the side that'll follow you around. And if you have a question or feedback or whatever, that goes into a, you know, I think it just links to a simple form, uh, but that information uh, with your feedback, bug report, question, feature request, whatever it is, uh, that goes out to, you know, a handful of us in the company. We actually see an update um, mm -hmm. in our in our own Slack immediately saying like, hey, we've got new feedback, this is what it is. And it, that's one thing, but the more important aspect is actually taking time to try to actually meet with the individual users. So beyond just waiting for, you know, random fee uh, feedback to come over the site, you know, we'll reach out to, um, you know, certain users, as many as we can, right? Especially those who are creators and, and we're really relying heavily on the system and just kind of ask them, you know, what do you think? What can we do better? Uh, what do you like? What do you not like? Um, you know, what? I want you to understand what they're using it for and the problem they're trying to solve. And uh, it, it becomes relatively easy to figure out, okay, this is a, a consistent thing they were hearing over and over versus just some one's personal idea of uh, what they would like to see. This seems to be a trend. And if you get enough information uh, from enough people, you can put together a pretty clear overview of what needs to change on the site. But it requires you reaching out, not just listening passively. And that's awesome, man, because there's what we think our customers would like, and then there's what our customers actually want. So that's that's really right. cool. Uh, I'm sure you've learned a lot along the way over the over the years, based off of your past experiences. If you were going to start a brand new, totally different business, what do you think some of the first things you would start to look into to start scaling that company? It's all about people. Uh, when you're starting a company, there's no such thing as 100% self-made, right? Uh, so if, because you're working with other people, right? I mean, you are self-made if, if you know if, if you build something from scratch, but you did it with other people, right? They supported you. So finding uh, really important, uh, really good co-founders and, uh, and and just amazing employees is key. And I think that's a really big part of our success here is that we've got an amazing team. They churn out product uh, releases at an astonishing rate. I mean, it's just unbelievable how fast the, the development team is, and uh, and that's one of the great things about um, the scale is that it's not just about listening to the customers and users. It's like, hey, show them in relatively near uh, you know in a relatively near term that you're actually implementing uh, changes. And so, if you have a really effective dev and and the one that really just cares about the mission, not just about building to collect a paycheck. They're all, they have a calling, right? Um, yeah. You can turn around these changes and the people, the response is amazing. People are like, wow, I can't believe, you know, we had a talk a week or two ago about this thing and uh, now it's fixed or now it's, it's improved or implemented and, and in an insanely short period of time, it's, that actually creates a lot of goodwill throughout the community. So, um, so that's a long-winded way of saying it. I would look for really good people who are mm -hmm. driven by a calling uh, versus a job that's crucial and um yeah. and i would uh, just remind anybody who's starting with this journey that the first you know x thousand users are the hardest uh and then it, but if you have a really good product market fit you'll know because the uh the site will just start taking off um you know we actually cut our marketing spend last year uh by 90 percent and still grew about 20x over the course of the year. Say and, that again. Uh, we cut our marketing by about 90%, um, somewhere around mid last year. 
And by the end of the year, we had still grown about 20x in the beginning of that year in terms of because uh, uploads you, per week. You attribute that to the quality of the product market fit. Yeah. And just for everybody watching, probably most know what product market fit is, but for, for anybody that's hearing that, could you kind of explain what that is, what that means? Well, you're going to have a, a lot of different people give you slightly different definitions of product market fit and when you think you have it. But as far as the site like Fangs is concerned, I think that you know it's product market fit if the market starts to adopt it uh, organically, right? So if you see that uh, for every, I don't know, let's say that marketing brings in one person. Well, if you're if you're marketing, getting one person to come in, only people come in from uh, the only people that you get are from marketing, and you have a huge, you know, uh, a number of people who never use the site again. You don't have product market fit. But if you uh, bring in, you know, one person initially from marketing or word of mouth or whatever, and then that turns into two, and that turns into three, and without you having to go out and get another one and another one, another one through marketing, you're starting to get product market fit. They're coming back, right? So looking at your your dial mail, your dial wows, daily active users over monthly active users, over weekly active users. How many, how often are they coming back and how much of it's organic versus from other um, sites? And how people go directly to a creator's profile or to their own model page versus just stumbling on the site somewhere. And that tells you just a ton of information. And you also, there's a subjective side to it, well, a more subtle side, I should say, where it's, you know, Again, in having those in-depth conversations with users, you, you'll you know because they'll tell you, hey, this is a super useful tool that is indispensable and I use it all the time. Um, or like, hey, yeah, I use it every now and then or, you know, I used it once, I didn't really get it. You know, that, that tells you whether or not you have product market fit. And so both from the usage pattern and the, the raw data and also the feedback came from the community that tells you that you have that, that fit. And mm -hmm. um, it's all in the numbers, essentially. Yeah, and you massage it into even more of a product market fit as you go. Um, Absolutely. If, if you could go back in time to when you first started out and say one thing to younger you, what would you say? Uh, I'd say a lot of things, um, <laughs> but uh, I used to. Wouldn't we all? Yeah. <laughs> well, I would say it's going to be one hell of a ride uh, when you're starting a company like this. Uh, there are lots of, you know. Um, you know, our, our technology is extremely core to the business, right? So we, what, what defines us as a company is that really core IP that what we've patented, right? To understand how model, you know, essentially codify 3D models so that computers can do with the physical world what they can do with the digital. And um, there are so many applications for that that it took us a long time to figure out, you know, where what's the best place? Where, where should we deploy this? Because in some industries, 3Ds, coming uh, uh, definitely on the, on the rise, especially like manufacturing and then uh, uh, certainly in gaming, even for the consumers, you know, with AR glasses and MR glasses, et cetera, become more prevalent. You know, 3D models are gonna be every bit as relevant uh, in the next year or two to the average person as a 2D photo would be. Um, but knowing where to place that focus and when, this was is very, very hard and it required a lot of trial and error. So if I go back and tell myself something, it probably would have been where we'd find that product market fit so I could save us some time, but that's not maybe the most helpful thing for your viewers. So I think what would be more helpful for them is, um, I would just talk to myself about the importance of uh, endurance, right? Like it's gonna be harder than you think, it's gonna take longer than you think, but um, what will get you out of bed every day, every, every, you know, every morning is, uh, that mission, you know, that you care about the outcome, you care about not just building a company, but building something that improves people's lives and makes the world a better place than you're in your one area, right? So 
um, I would just tell myself to, you know, get ready for a long and difficult ride, but it's one that is worth taking. Mm. What, what questions should I be asking you that I haven't? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, mm. I don't know. He's telling interviews more than me. Um, I guess if there's um, one thing that I would uh, share with people, it's just the importance um, that we haven't really talked about. I think it's really crucial is just the importance of finding, you know, good, that true calling, right? When you start a company, um, kind of hit on this a little bit, but I'm just going to double click on it. Um, when you're starting a company, if you're just doing it because you want to make a little bit of extra money or you like to think of yourself as a, being a leader or whatever, you're probably not going to get very far because it's not going to be enough motivation for you. If you care about leaving impact on the planet and, you know, uh, saying, I'm going to try to build up uh, the future. I'm going to try to leave behind a legacy that the other people can um, can can move forward from, essentially, and helping to build those the shoulders of the giants that other people uh, you know, mm -hmm. use as a springboard for the next generation. Mm -hmm. I think that, that's going to motivate you a lot more, and it's what you need to start a company and that takes up so much of your time. Yeah, because then it makes it worth getting your face kicked in a million times. It's extremely difficult. And what people hear about um, from entrepreneurs and articles about them are really just the successes. You don't really hear a right. lot about see them on the, the, the boat with the model. And they think that, oh, yeah, that's a Tuesday when I start a business. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, what you're not seeing are, you know, if you have enough, if you've done enough work to a 40 yacht, you probably put it in the the effort. If, assuming you're starting from scratch, you probably put in the effort for 10 yachts. So you're seeing the yacht, you're not seeing the nine they couldn't, that didn't work out. <laughs> Good point. And probably to the degree of the size of the boat is probably the degree of times they've been kicked in their face in their life. And they have a screw loose that has just uh, and enabled them uh to to just keep going like a broken tank which is a good screw loose <laughs> yeah it's good to have a little bit of faulty rewiring with with like uh, uh, on unusual if you're an entrepreneur you you do have a screw loose and that's it's i think evolutionary right uh where by nature humans are uh designed to seek survival right so if you think about what's the safest move get a job somewhere at a company that's relatively secure and will pay the bills if you become an entrepreneur you're taking a huge risk and you're kind of like the the guy who, in, who back in the stone age would have been like yeah i'm gonna go across this tundra over here and see if i can find a better mammoth because i don't like the little mammoths we have over here a lot of them died out right so you know evolutionarily from an evolution from an evolution standpoint i should say uh what you're doing as an entrepreneur is almost counter um you know what survival would, would yeah. suggest that you do but it's important because without those, uh, you know, those, uh, those flaws, if you, if you want to view it as a flaw, without that, um, you know, people who are just wired that way, we wouldn't make any progress, right? Because if everyone just went for whatever was safest, we wouldn't go anywhere. Yeah, you have to, you, ha you do have to be a little bit insane. It's like, hey, I need a hundred people and uh, uh, 96 of you are going to die on this thing. And, and probably four of you <laughs> will still be around in, in 10 years. You're like, who's in? And you'd be like, eh. but that's, pretty much the reality um a final it's relatively safe working here we don't have any you know so far our uh you know, survival ratio working here's been pretty high <laughs> i am i'm knocking on wood my man uh the day's just getting started but uh um final <laughs> words of advice 
some wisdom for the entrepreneurs that are crazy enough to go running around uh, fighting for their dream. Listen to the crazy, uh, you know, uh, don't, <laughs> don't double, don't doubt yourself. If you really have a clear vision of what you want and it's crystal clear, then uh, think goal first, you know, so this is, I think this is one of the most important things I can share with anybody is don't think whether my, what are the paths in front of me and then where can I go from there? Think where's my end goal? And how can I backtrack from there? Just like you do with the grocery, if you go to the grocery store, you're not saying, hey, okay, I'm, I'm, I don't know where I'm going, I'm gonna, but here's a road. I'm going to go down this road. No, there's another road. No, it's easier to try on this road than that one. You don't know where you're going if you do that. That's kind of how our society is designed, right? Choose a road, choose a road, choose a road. You'll end up wherever you end up. Uh, it's much better to think in the inverse of that. Where do I want to be? And then you'll start to see all kinds of different roads uh, open up. I mean, a lot of people ask me, why do you take German law? If you never want to be a lawyer, you want to be a startup uh, a CEO. And it's a really long story. We don't have time for it, but you know, it worked out. And um, it wouldn't have made any sense if I looked at it the other way around, right? Like, what are the paths and where do I go from there? You have to think, what's the goal? Okay, if I want to get there, how, what do I need to be a year before that, a year before that? Uh, all, all the way down to, you know, what do I need to do this month, this week, today? the next hour, et cetera. And then plan things out in the calendar, be extremely uh, organized with your time. Uh, I put everything on the calendar. My calendar is a mess because there's so much stuff on it, but I don't, um, but it helps me to do as much as I do in a day. So think goal first and then plan backwards and then stay focused and organized. Awesome.